Welcome to the official Jets podcast. We are presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. Eric Allen here inside the studio with Jets wide receiver Corey Davis. Momentarily, we're going to be joined by the mad backer, Bart Scott. But Corey, how about this? The New York Jets were underdogs in each of your first six games. You have four wins. Mm. Since 2000, you got to go back. 38 teams started the year underdogs in each of their first six games. Only the Cleveland Browns in 2001 yeah. had won four games. Man. <laughs> That's a crazy stat. That's a crazy stat. But, I mean, as we won't, we're, uh, you know, we're in the midst of trying to turn things around here. And, um, you know, it's, it's going pretty well. Obviously, we got a lot to clean up. But, um, you know, it's a good start. Do you think people are still sleeping on you guys? Maybe. I, I feel like we still have a few that's out there um, sleeping on us still, but that's all right. You know, we, uh, we're worried about the guys that's inside these walls and these rooms um, going out and working with us every single day. So that's all we're focused on. Um, all the outside noise is outside noise. Yeah, is it something that you guys talk about amongst yourselves, though? With the outside noise? Yeah, yeah. Well, not that noise so much as, as far as less like, you know, people talking about lines and saying, well, the Jets are underdogs again. Yeah. Yes. Um, Honestly, we don't focus too much on that. Um, <clears throat> I always see, like, the picks after the games. Like, <laughs> and it's all the other team, Green Bay or whatever. Um, and obviously that makes us feel some type of weight. But it is what it is. Like I said, we're focused on us and, and just trying to get better each and every week. You're one of the old guys in the locker room, even though you're a very young guy. Um, going to Green Bay and taking down an elite team, who had won 15 consecutive games at Lambeau Field, who were 10-0 and 0 after losses under Matt LaFleur. Wow. What, is, what does that say about this group? Man, that says a lot. I mean, that's a, that's a great team, and we went in there and we did what we were supposed to do, what we expected ourselves to do. Um, you know, like I said, that's a great team run by a, a great coach, great quarterback. Um, but, you know, we feel like we're a pretty good team too. <laughs> and, um, you know, we went in there and we were playing pretty well, and we, we got it done. You were just talking about it before with me, your postseason trips with the Tennessee Titans. Do you talk to the young guys in the locker room what the playoffs are like? I know it's yeah. way down the line, but no. as far as the second season and, and what you actually have to do to get there. Yeah, uh, I talk to them a few times about it uh, every now and then when the, when the conversation comes up in the locker room. Um, and, and, you know, also what it takes. Um, you know, we when, when we went to the postseason, it was – it was a player run team, you know, it was, mm. it was guys stepping up, being, being leaders and, and, and really running the team um, how they were supposed to. And, you know, that, that was one of the common denominators of, of why we made it to the postseason. Um, you know, the coaches were obviously a huge part of that, um, but the, the players were stepping up, talking and being the leaders they were supposed to. And it was a lot of the little things that we were doing um, that went a long way. Um, so we, you know, when I, whenever I, I Talk to those young guys, you know, I try to harp on that, the little things and, and um, you know, all the things that it takes to get to that postseason. Is it becoming a player-run team here? It is. It is. Um, you know, we got a lot of good dudes in our locker room, like I said, a lot of good captains. CJ, one of them, um, Hardy. Um, you know, Zach is, is coming into himself, being a great leader, leading that huddle. Um, we got a lot of good dudes who can take us to the next level. How about the road success? I mean, not a lot of young teams, I think, could – go into the situations that you guys have here early in the season and come home with victories? That's tough. 
I mean, that, that is tough to, to kind of go on the road, especially in this, this league, to go on the road and, and get a win. Um, but we, me personally, I love playing on the road. You do? Um, yeah, I kind of like that atmosphere, us against the world. Um, you know, I know a few of the other guys do too, but um, that's what we expect. No, ma no matter where we play, no matter when we play, we expect to, to win and, and play our style of ball. You play 17 one-game seasons, but do you think the Jets' 2022 season potentially changed with the long ball against the Browns? You guys down late, you're 0-1. It looked like you're going to go 0-2, but then you provided the spark. You get the onside kick. Before you know it, G-Dub's in the end zone. You guys win that game. Yeah. And then since there, you know, since that first game where you guys lost the Ravens at home, you've Won four out of five. Yeah. I mean that that game was definitely the turning point to me, um, you know, for the season, and it just shows the type of team we have. We got a lot of dudes who who aren't front runners who have no quit in them. Um, and that was a that was a that was a tough game, um, and it played went all the way down to the last whistle. Um, but that's what we expect ourselves to do, and you know the work that we put in out here on this field, um, all the stuff that people don't see. Um, you know, it, it showed that game. Three to three at halftime, week six against the Packers. You're not getting a lot going offensively, but there he is. CD, 84, making the big play. Can you take me through the long ball from Zach that really jump-started things for you guys offensively in the second half? Yeah, I, I felt like that was a, the spark that we needed. Um, it was a... I knew it was a double move. I knew it was coming up, and um, you know, OC kind of asked me about it before that drive. You know, if I wanted it then, and Zach did as well. So, um, you know, he did a great job dialing it up at the right time. Um, Olan did a great job holding up, and on that play, CJ actually had a really good block. Yeah, he had a really good cut on that, um, which gave Zach a little bit more time to put it up. Great spot. And my job was easy. <laughs> Could have been a touchdown, but Zach said he wanted to make sure that you had the time he, that he was going to place the ball and you were definitely going to get it. Yeah, I mean, he did it right. Um, and we scored on the next play, you know, so I'm cool with that. As long <laughs> as we end up with six, I'm cool with it. Hey, how about the streak you got going now? That's five consecutive games with at least a 20-yard reception. Oh, I like that. I, <laughs> I didn't even know it, but I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Um, how much do you pride yourself on making the big play? Because – you know, your average per catch mm -hmm. is way up there right now. I, I, mean, I pride myself on making every every play, every catch, um, especially the big ones, you know, in the moments that we need them the most. Um, you know, I, I want the team to call on me, call my number. Um, you know, I kind of want that. But, <clears throat> man, it's a, it's a blessing, man, just to be a part of this team and, and just to see how much we're growing. Complimentary football. Uh, what do you think about the defense's efforts against Aaron Rodgers and company, holding them down to 10 points? But how about special teams? We could talk about them every week. Yeah, uh, Boyer guys, those, had those guys playing really hard. Um, and it was a really good to see, you know, all three phases kind of working together, um, you know, complimentary ball. Um, and they got out there, they got us a score, which is huge. Um, Boyer always puts a huge emphasis on special teams, and so does Salah, um, you know, just to try to get us a play or get us field position or make a big play, and they did, and it was huge. DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner, you lined up against them throughout training camp. Mm -hmm. How good is this tandem? They're the best. Yeah? They're the best. I mean, I've, we've been saying it. We, as wideouts, have to be on our, on our stuff each and every week. 
you know, for training camp and even for practice coming out here because they're really good corners and they make us better each and every week, each and every day, and, you know, vice versa. So, man, it's real good to have those dudes on our team. They get me fired up on the sideline watching them. What kind of challenges do they pose receivers out there? Uh, and yeah, take it through each guy because they're totally different in terms of the different. way they attack. They are different. Sauce has really good recovery. He's very physical um, and he's fast too. I, I feel like Sauce has a is just really well rounded um, as a corner, and you don't see that as a, as a rookie coming in just a league ready corner like that. Um, and he holds his own, man. It, it's real good to see. He's always fired up, talking talking trash. So that turns me up a little bit. Yeah. DJ DJ is uh, a little more quiet, but. Um, he's always locked in, always on his stuff. Um, you know, he's not going to give up a big play too often, you know. And um, like I said, man, he's always locked in. And he has great transition, great ball skills too. So, man, that tandem is, is, is the best, like I said. Do you have similarities in personality with DJ? A little bit. Yeah? Yeah, I would say. I mean, he, he's, he's quiet. Um, I'm, I'm super quiet. He's <laughs> always locked in. Um, yeah, I would say there's some similarities. He's a good dude, though, good people. Hey, let me ask you after the game, Elijah Moore uh, went to social media. Obviously, his heart's in the right place. He wants to contribute. How can you help him, I guess, uh, because you've seen things and ebbs and flows in the National Football League, and, you know, where young guys just like, hey, at times I'm open. I, I just want to be part of this, too, yeah. um, you know, but – what goes through your mind when you see it? And also, uh, can you talk to folks about how you guys feel in the room about Elijah? Because I think that yeah. uh, he, he's so well-liked in the room. Yeah, I mean, I get it. He just wants to, to help and be a part of the, the team, you know, be a part of, of, of what we're doing here and what we're, we're accomplishing. Um, so, so I get it. But he's a great dude. We yeah. love him in our room. We love him in, on this team, in his locker room. He is a selfless guy. He's far from selfish. Like, he... Always looking out for other people. We're always talking, always, always in each other's ear. Just, you know, trying to stay locked in and stay positive, you know, throughout these days because you know they can they can get long. Um, but he's a real good dude, man. We love him on this team. So. Yeah, one of the things that we talked about in the locker room last week when I came up to you, uh, the Jets had entered Week Six as the only team in the NFL with four receivers with more than 200 yards. Oh, yeah. And with that being said, I think Conklin crossed 200 yards, that threshold, on Sunday against the Packers. But you told me, hey, listen, this system, sometimes it's going to be different guys every week. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we got a lot of uh, playmakers, a lot of dudes who can do a lot with the ball. Um, Brees, MC, myself, E, Garrett. You know, we got a lot of dudes who can do a lot with the ball. So, I mean, <clears throat> I get it. It can be frustrating at times, you know, because one week you might get – one target you might get zero, and the next week you might get eight or nine. Right. Um, and, and you know we always want to be that guy. We're competitors, competitors, and you know we want our number to be called all the time. But um, we got to understand that there's a, a lot of dudes who can do a lot with the ball in this offense. Yeah. And as long as we're winning, um, you know I'm cool with it. <laughs> how how tough were those conditions uh, Sunday in Green Bay? Because we're watching from afar. We see the rain coming down, but in terms of the footing. It was a little tough. It, it, it was running for about a quarter and a half, um, but it was a little slick out there, uh, a little cold too. Probably our it's our first little really cold game this year. It wasn't too bad, but it's football weather is what we call it. So um, <laughs> felt good out there though. Wasn't too bad. Uh, you played college in the Midwest. You, you like playing in a venue like that? 
I do. I, li I like playing in the cold. It, it kind of makes you lock in a little bit more. Um, you know, dudes don't want to hit in the cold either. So Yeah? Yeah. Break <laughs> more tackles. Uh, what do you think about Zach? Three games in, three wins. He's really excelled in the fourth quarter. Um, from your vantage point, what do you see? Yeah, he's poised. He's confident. He's... <clears throat> No, he's he's not panicking, and, and that's really good to see, especially when you know the way that these games have been going. He stayed locked in, stayed poised, and he stayed the same Zach, which is, is good to see in his second year. Um, he's coming into himself, man, and he's got a lot of confidence, and he's running a good operation. Yeah, so that's uh, been good to see. Uh, Corey, year two for you here. Mm -hmm. uh, how different does it feel as you approach uh, week seven? Not just the winning, but the overall comfortability. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. Um, you know, we're starting to get into the, the thick of the season. Um, so recovery has to be heightened. A lot of things has to has to kind of go up because we're at a point of season where, you know, it's easy to slack off. You know, you kind of get in your routine. It's just easy to slack off and just say, hey, okay, uh, to certain things and just not do it. But like I said, we're in the thick of the season to where we got to stay locked in and, and probably even do more so um, than what we've been doing. You started off hot last season, but then you got banged up maybe around that midway point. What did you do as far as this offseason mm -hmm. that might have been a, a little bit different from your approach in the past? Yeah, I mean, I'm always working on my body and, and, and trying to do as much as I can, you know, because this league, we understand how hard it is to, to stay healthy. Um, you know, and durability is one of the most important things. So I just want to stay on the field, play every game. And so I've been just trying to take care of my body best I could be conscious of what I'm putting in it um, and, you know, just stay on top of my recovery. But you changed a little bit in, in terms of yeah. either weight or speed. I know you did something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my weight dropped a little bit when I came into camp. Right. Um, you know, that was something that I, I kind of wanted to do, get my weight down, get my playing weight down. Um, and I felt good, feel great. You know, the staff has been really good with me, really patient with me and, and you know, trying to find that right playing weight. Um, and I think we found it. Uh, I bring this up multiple times with you, but the run blocking aspect. Mm -hmm. What's the mentality for you when you know, hey, listen, maybe Brees is going to get the ball or MC is going to get the ball, and I, I know I'm going to be asked to take care of business on the outside. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I like blocking every now and then. Um, you know, it's our chance to kind of go in there and, and, and tee off. Um, but blocking really comes down to will and want to, you know, and, and, and really – giving it up for your brothers. Like I said, we got a lot of dudes who can do a lot with the ball. Brees, MC. Um, so if I could take a hit off those guys and free them up, I'm going to do it every time. Yeah. Uh, speaking of brothers, when you walk into One Jets Drive, this is a place where your older brother, Titus, lined up mm -hmm. and came here and spent a part of his career here. What goes through your mind? Yeah, I mean... I'm not going to lie, it's, um, I think about bro every day, especially coming in this building, knowing that, you know, this is the last place that he played. Um, you know, it definitely means something to me. Um, you know, my brother was, was my best friend. Uh, we talked every day. We bonded over football. You know, that was our thing. I played, I started playing because he started playing. Um, but man, I, I, for some reason, I, I just feel like he's with me when I'm here. Um, and there's a reason for me being here. There's a reason for everyone being here. You know, I don't believe in coincidence. Um, but, man, I know I'm here for a reason, so. What was he like as a person? 
He was a he joked <laughs> too much. <laughs> like he was outgoing, man. He was like I said, joked all the time. Did not know when to stop. Even when it was way past like, okay, like time to stop joking now. Like, we get it. Yeah. Um, super playful man, huge heart. We got two little boys who he loved to death. Um had a big heart, man. He loved people. Super respectful, and he's a great player, great baller. Yeah, describe him as a baller. He's a great baller, man. <laughs> I learned everything from him. I mean, we we kind of play similar. Um, like I said, I learned everything from him, and, and um, he played at Central Michigan, and, and he was there with Conklin for a little bit. So Conklin's always telling me, like, you guys really play, like, just alike, like, the exact same. And I'm like, man, like, that's who I learned everything from. Been watching him ever since I was a little kid, and I still watch him to this day. Um, he's a great player, man. He's, like... Two inches shorter than me, though, but he's a little bit more, you know, stocky, and he can do a lot with the ball, man. I miss bro for sure. How cool is that when Tyler comes up to you and talks about his remembrances and his experiences yeah. with your bro? Man, it's, it's super cool. Um, you know, I, I like to go talk to Kanga just to hear stories about, you know, when, when my brother was there with him, and he was there for a year with him, so he doesn't <clears throat> know too much, but... He knew a little bit about my brother, and you know, any chance I get to just ask him about telling me a story, whatever, I always ask. How are his young boys doing? They're great, man. They're in Florida right now, living life. What are their ages? Playing ball, like six and four. Okay. I believe now, could be way off, but man, they're uh, they're getting big, man. They looking just like him, look just like his mother as well. Their mother as well. Um, down the line, what is Uncle Corey going to tell him? <laughs> I'm going to tell him a lot. I'm going to tell him everything about their, their pops, man, everything. I can't wait to, uh, you know, when they get older, I could tell them all the stories about him and how, how great of a man he was. Um, can you talk about fatherhood and your daughter and how old she is now and her, her name and, and, and what it's like for you when, you when you're able to leave here and spend some time with her? Yeah, man, little Xavier. Little mm -hmm. Xavier, she's about to be two on December 29th. <laughs> Got a couple months, um, but she she already hit the terrible twos. <laughs> She's turned up all the time. Um, but man, I love being a father. Um, just the perspective I have, you know, ever since she was born has, has totally shifted. Um, you know, going home, um, whether I have a good day, bad day, great game, bad game, she does not care. Yeah, <laughs> she's gonna love her daddy regardless of of what those stats look like. And, um, you know, I got to make a conscious effort to ch just kind of check myself at the door, you know, um, whether it's a good game or a bad game. I can't dwell on that because she wants her dad. And, man, it's a, it's a great feeling, though. Um, I love my wife, and she does a great job, you know, with my little girl. Um, and we love we love being her parent. How unique is it having a little girl? Because uh, I, I'm a father. And, and my daughter, at first, when I found out I was having a girl, I never yeah. – it was like, I don't know how I'm going to be, in, yeah, and, and I don't know how I'm going to relate. And then now as she's growing, it's like I can never imagine <laughs> not having one. That's exactly how it is, man. Now that they're older, it's like, man, what was life like before you were here? <laughs> yeah. But, man, I love her to death. Yeah. yeah that's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Okay, so we're taping the pod here on a Monday. Will you watch the Broncos tonight? Because you're getting them on a short week coming up. You gonna watch them? I'm gonna be tuned in. Yeah, I'm gonna be locked in. Yeah, taking notes and all. 
<laughs> no, I ain't gonna take notes, but I'm gonna be locked in. Yeah, should be a good game. Uh, do you typically watch Monday Night Football? No matter yeah. who. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's our. Uh, that's me and wifey's time. Just chill, you know, unwind and watch some ball. Okay. Uh, cool. And then going out. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any traditions or routines in terms of uh, road going out to the Mountain West? Yeah, I mean it's definitely different going out, especially playing at Denver. Yeah, the altitude. Um, yeah, I mean, played there the last four years, so I, mean, I know a little bit about it. Um, you definitely got to be on your stuff as far as like take care of your body, hydration, um, because you will feel the effect when you're there. Right. So it's got to be on your stuff. I'm excited to play there though. It, you guys road warriors right now. You're three and all on the road. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Only division in the National Football League with not a team who has a less than 500 record. You got the Patriots are three and three. The Dolphins are three and three. You guys four and two, and the Buffalo Bills five and one. What are your thoughts on that? I like that. See, this league is getting there now. Yeah. This this division is pretty good, man. I've been trying to tell people. Um, But that is pretty crazy. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Hey, Corey, great catching up as always. My God, thank you. I appreciate you. WinBet is bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, they have what you need to win. Jets fans in New Jersey, sign up today and use promo code XJETS. And after placing your first $100 wager, you will receive $100 to bet with. You will receive a $50 free bet and a $50 casino bonus. Again, the promo code is XJETS. Offer subject to change. Offer only available in New Jersey. Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 or older to participate. Please visit winbet.com to view welcome offers available in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport, but together at WinBet. Without further ado, as promised, here is the mad backer, Bart Scott. What do you think about the New York Jets being four and two? Only team in the National Football League who is underdogs in each of the first six games. I tell you what, it's, it's exciting, right? Because we, we knew that we had a lot of talent on this team, but we didn't know that it, all the ingredients can come together so quickly. And I think one of the major ingredients that kind of put this running game over the top you know, is the, the the play of Dwayne Brown. Mm. What does that say about the character, right? What does that say about the player? The player could have had an opportunity to get a guaranteed contract, walk away, never have to play it down. But I think he's teaching the young players the value of this league and playing in this game and just how special it is. And every time you have an opportunity to get an opportunity to play this lovely game, because it runs out of out for all of us. I mean, if I my body hadn't broken down, I would still love to be playing and competing and being in that environment. I think Dwayne Brown is kind of, you know, leading by example, you know, because he doesn't have to say how important and how great the game is and how you should fight for every year, every down that you're able and capable and healthy enough to play. I think he's showing it. And um, his play has been inspiring and beautiful to watch. And it's really been an uptick to this run game. Joe Douglas has done a phenomenal job with this roster. And case in point is Dwayne Brown. He has some tackle issues there in the summer. You bring Brown in thinking that potentially he could be a reserve swing tackle. Then Becton goes down. You got to make a move. You bring him in. And to your point, Dwayne Brown could have shut it down. 
He could have collected his paycheck, but he wants to be out there with this young group who continues to impress. That's three straight games. We know the Green Bay Packers are scuffling right now, but what kind of statement do the Jets just make to the rest of the National Football League when they go into Lambeau and win by 17 points? And that was a dominant game on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I mean, we had saw, you know, you look and see what that defensive line did to arguably one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. And we knew that this was going to be a game in which Green Bay wanted to get right. Right. You heard Zaire Alexander, you know, saying that, hey, you know, if I lose to the Jets, then, you know, we'll be concerned. But also Mm -hmm. just the fact that we knew that they were going home where they had won 15 in a row, going in the regular season, going in their building knowing that how important it was for them to get a victory and get right because they're coming off a loss, to manage all that emotion early on, make it a slugfest, but not make any critical mistakes early on. You know, some things you probably want to take back, probably want to go for it on fourth and one to try and get an opportunity so you can kick the field goal and not have a three-point swing. To manage Mm -hmm. all that, but man, to see them come out Mm -hmm. of the third quarter and make the necessary adjustments you know, I love this two, two this two linebacker, I mean, this two running back set, you know, and on the other side, I love the rotation and Benny Curry coming out. And it was the veterans making pivotal plays in pivotal times. Benny Curry early on setting the edge, being able to be disruptive. The line games that they were able to run, kind of a coming out party to the rest of the world about how great Quentin Williams is and how great he's been playing. Finally, he's able to put mm. some st- statistics behind that. And guys like Kawan Alexander kind of, making big plays and, you know, not coming up and falling for the cheese like most people fall for Aaron Rodgers when he scrambles and he usually throws that over your head, stand within the zone and in in, inside and making a huge stop on fourth down. I mean, it was a collective team effort and it's probably the best game collectively that the Jets have played offense, defense, special teams. You know, I know Clemens wanted to get credit for the uh, blocked field goal, but unfortunately he wears the wrong color gloves. It was easy for us to figure out that that was Quinnen. But then for him <laughs> to come back and, make the play on the punt on the punt block to put points on the board. And every time the, the Packers had a response, the Jets responded in short order. And that's great to see from a young team that is playing well beyond their years, because I believe that that game in Cleveland was a catalyst and them believing that the game is never over. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because we had Corey Davis at the top of this podcast. He was such a key figure in that game. And then a key figure in this game, again, like you said, Three, three, second half, not much going for the Jets offensively. Great play call from Mike LaFleur and Zach Wilson hits up, hits Corey Davis long down the field. Could have been a touchdown. But with that being said, Corey Davis has made a lot of big plays for this team this year. Yeah. I feel like he's a, a really comfortable now. Last year it was a lot of pressure coming in the first year, brought in to be the savior. And I think early on this season with the emergence of Garrett Wilson, it kind of allowed him to settle down into a role that he's familiar with, kind of sharing the spotlight and not having the spotlight and all the pressure squarely on his shoulders. We saw when he was in, you know, when he was in Tennessee, you know, he was sharing the spotlight with, you know, A.J. Brown. And now I think just emerged of Garrett Wilson kind of drawing the coverage of Zaire Alexander, marrying him wherever he goes, kind of speaks to how people see the packing order as far as who's number one to stop, who's number two. And I think it opens everything else for everybody else. You know, as long as Garrett Wilson is allowed to be able to be that guy that, you know, the opposing team really fears because of his ability to take short stuff, 
his short area quickness. And I think Corey Davis is comfortable now in a role that he's a lot more um, familiar with. You're a football scientist. You mentioned before how much you love that personnel package when the Jets insert both Brees Hall and Michael Carter. What kind of stress does that put on a defense, and why do the Jets continue to thrive when both of those guys are out there in the field? Because they continue to grow the package, right? And like because they're so versatile. So you can't just say, okay, when they're out there, it's going to be a run or or, or, or they're, they're running toward this guy, that guy. This time they had Brees Hall up in the what we call the off you receive um, tight end, you know, playing pretty much to the you tight end. And that's the old school fake toss trap. <laughs> that's the same play that my coach used to run back at Southeastern in 1994, 1995 to 1998. That was our old trap play. 35 trap was what we called it. And it was, a, it was funny to see it being dusted off and brought up. But you, you have to bring and go back to all the two-back sets. You know, I mean, I, I, can wait, I can't wait to see them do the old flat back that the, the uh, Seattle Seahawks used to do back in the day when they had the fullback and the, and the tailback flat and they ran the leads with flat field type of defenders. You know, you got to dust everything off because all great coordinators adjust to the personnel that they have. And this is a personnel group that's special. Once again, they both continue to catch the ball exceptionally well. I don't want to jinx them, but I don't think that I've seen the ball hit the ground for the most part, you know, since the Cleveland game where, you know, we kind of underthrew some things. I think they're sure-handed. I think they're putting, you know, getting guys in space. And it's a, it's a testament to this offensive line being able to hold up and make Zach feel comfortable and emboldened to be able to make accurate throws and quick, decisive uh, decisions. As a competitor yourself, do you feel a little bit for a guy like Elijah Moore, who it definitely is well-liked inside that locker room? I talked to Corey about that before, and he just wants to contribute. And if you put in the work and you are a good, talented player, um, obviously you want to make contributions yourself. So I, I think you're happy for the team success, but you also can understand, hey, you know, I, I want to help the group out as well in any way I can. Of course. Of course. This has been brewing for a couple of weeks, right? We've talked about, you know, the lack of targets, and he's been open a couple of times. You know, unfortunately, you got to think, Zach only completed 10 balls, and you had to stick with the game plan. It was super tight. You know, running the ball was working. And sometimes it gets lost, and you, you forget to get guys involved. I guarantee you that they'll find ways to get him involved in the next game. You know, you think about that sweep that Barrios got and scored the touchdown on. That's something that is very suited for Elijah Moore as well. You know, he's a guy that you can sneak in some of these personnel groups, but unfortunately when you go with two tailbacks, that takes a guy off the field. So, I mean, as more people continue and say, try and make the adjustment to Corey Davis, you know, I mean, we see this all the time, right? With, with guys with three-headed monsters. We see it sometimes. Sometimes it's T. Higgins. Sometimes it's Jamar Chase. Sometimes it's uh, Tyler Boyd, yep. right? It's unfortunate sometimes when you have a wealth of riches, sometimes you just tend to go to people and some people can feel left out a little bit. I think they'll go back and they'll make a concerted effort to make him a big part of the game plan, get him early touches, get him going, and then play off of that. You know, he'll be put in the 15-play script, make sure that he's able to get the ball, put him in some unique situations, just like they do with Brees Hall, just like they do with Michael Carter, to take advantage of their unique um, talent, and they'll find a way to get him the ball in. All will be fine, and it'll be a kudo matata by the end of next week. Yeah, no doubt about it. Everybody's happy about winning, and the Jets are four and two. Remember, last year they won four games throughout the entire season. There is yeah. definitely a belief here at one Jets drive that they're just getting started. 
opposite side of the ball real quick. This is four games now where the Jets have held opposition offenses to less than 300 yards, 300 yards. And against Green Bay, who has a very good rushing offense, they didn't get anything going on the ground. You mentioned Quinton Williams before. He's playing at another level. Um, and I wanted to ask you, too, as a whole, this whole dynamic with Reed and Sauce Gardner, how does that change everything up? Because the Jets are winning at the line of scrimmage, but then in the defensive backfield, you got to give Michael Carter the second um, credit as well, that inside fade, that slot fade that the Packers tried on them. He was step for step with the receiver, incomplete ball. So, I mean, they're getting contributions from all over, and they're good at every level. You mentioned Quan Alexander before. Uh, C.J. Mosley continues to thrive, and then they put Quincy Williams in the lineup. He's 14 tackles. Yeah. I tell, I tell, and there were, there were impactful uh, physical tackles that, you know, set the, set the tone as well. And, you know, like when you talk about Michael Carter second, I I had him as my unsung hero on my pregame show. Yeah. Talking about how we don't really talk about him enough. You know, and I think people don't even realize because he's so quiet and, you know, he doesn't give up big plays. He just goes about and does his business. You know, I think we don't realize that he's a young player as well. He's only in his second year as well. And we don't give him the credit because he seems like he's older and wise beyond his years. Everybody here knows how, you know, the Jets have always had star-studded names. But they always have un, unsung heroes, whether it's Brad Smith, whether it's Eric Smith, whether it's Drew Coleman, James Hedibo. So I think Michael Carter's a guy that we don't pay enough attention to. Dwight Lowry, you know, we don't pay attention to, but he's a name that you can't have this level of success without him playing at an extremely high level because guys are going to start saying we got to stay away from Sauce. DJ Reed, I think is they're, they're going to say the same thing. They're going to try and attack the safeties. In, in coverage, and they're going to try to attack the corners. I mean, the, the nickel, and Michael Carter has shown that he's one of the best nickels in the game already, to, in my opinion. One of the best, if not, you know, top five. He's definitely up there. Yeah, If huge. he's not one, he's definitely top five. All right, so what do you make of the AFC East? Only division in football that does yes. not have a team under 500. Patriots and Dolphins, 3-3. Three and three. The New York Jets, 4-2. and two. And the Bills secured that big road win against the Chiefs the playoff rematch there in week six uh, at Arrowhead. Yeah. Concerned a little bit about Zappy Bailey, because I feel like he may be a better player than Mac Jones. Really? I mean, that offense, what he's been able to throw the football um, and they're, they're going back to the old school. They just run the ball, you know, so it's going to be an intriguing matchup when the Jets face the, uh, the Patriots about who can win the battle within the trenches, you know, because this is about more about anchoring and being able to stop a potent run game. You know, it's going to be exciting to see how they decide to match up. But first, first order of business is going out and, and playing a Denver Broncos team that have, you know, the number one defense in all of football and try and not let them get right against the Jets. As tonight, they're going to go and be on a short week playing against the Chargers. You know, maybe the Chargers can beat them up a little bit. But, you know, you want to understand that you have to stay focused because you can't get a big win on the road against a team like the Packers and then go and lay an egg in, in, in Denver, which is a very difficult place to play altitude sickness not everybody responds the same to it figuring out that the field is a little slick grass is a little longer make sure that everything's right and make sure that you can have a guy like you know russell wilson that's struggling but he can get right at any time you don't want to get right against you why is he scuffling so much obviously new system new team yeah 
but he doesn't look like the same player. So, I mean, wow. has he started a regression? And for the Jets this week on the immediate front burner, how can they make sure that he doesn't get right, no matter what happens tonight against the Chargers? Well, I, I always get concerned with the Jets when they play a, a quarterback that's mobile that can run and chooses to run because Russell traditionally waits mm-hmm. to, to be able to run, to start running. I want, I hope that they, you know, able to keep him in a pocket, keep him contained. We talked about early on in the season how they were losing their 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 lane integrity, giving up edges and guys like Jacoby Brissett, guys like um, Joe Burrow was being able to escape. You know, Russell Wilson is a Houdini at times. He can buy time. He's a very stout player, even though he's not big. He's short and stocky. You know, he's hard to bring down, and he can make you miss. And he is an athlete, so I get concerned sometimes when the Jets play players like that because. You know that's that other element for those off-schedule plays. You know they have tremendous still talent at the at the position, but if they can make them one-dimensional again, we all know that Melvin Gordon is a fumble waiting to happen. So I expect them to be very physical, going at the ball, seeing if they can get some extra possessions, and on the outside being able to hold fort because the offense is going to have tough sledding against one of the best defenses in the game. You were a member of the last New York Jets team that actually won at Denver. That came in 2010. That's the last Jets team that made the playoffs. The Jets are going for a fourth consecutive win on the road. The last team who did that was the 2010 New York Jets. Are you seeing pretty damn good? Are you seeing any kind of similarities? The way this group can get after you defensively, and now they're establishing an offensive identity where they can ground and pound a little bit. Well, I mean, I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you talk about the similarities, right? You can, you know, say, okay, Dwayne Brown is Damon Woody, you know, and and not not to put anybody else in Mangle and Fanica's type of um, realm, but you know, Vera Tucker's one of the best guys, you know, best players in the league. You know, Langton Thompson, right? You can say is like a Brandon Moore or a guy, or 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 maybe like Fanica. So I can see the similarities that they. You know, built the built this team in the trenches, much like our teams were built in the trenches. We had one of the best offensive lines, and we had one of the best defensive lines, and we had guys on the outside that can make plays. When you really want to talk about, you know, Braylon Edwards, you want to talk about Jericho Cotri, you want to talk about, you know, Santonio Holmes, and then we were able to get production at the running back position. Guys that can take it. You know, Thomas Jones, his first year there in two thousand nine, one of his best career years. LT showed that he still had juice. So yeah, absolutely. You know, I think they're slightly different, but it's a lot of similarities by the fact that they were both built built in the you know in the trenches, and everything else you know spawned from that. You know, you can say Quentin Quentin um, Quentin um, Williams and myself both hit stick guys. David Harris was more um, lethargic and you know one of those you know great thinkers, but a playmaker, tackling machine like C.J. Mosley. And you know, so you can I can see a lot of similarities. You know, I don't want to put Sauce out there as an island yet. <laughs> but, you know, two, two, two great pairs of uh, corners. So, I mean, we know the recipe and we know the identity. And this team reflects, you know, what um, New York's all about. You know, grit, hard work, and um, a relentless effort. All right. So let's end here. I need a prediction. Mm-hmm. Do you think if somebody asked you, hey, you had to put your money on yes or no, are the Jets going to be a postseason team in 2022? Let me throw this stat at you. Teams since 1990 that started 4-2 and two have made the postseason 63.6% of the time. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll, I'll hedge my bet and say, you know, maybe they get in as a wild card. We know the okay. Buffalo is probably going to win the division. But because of the failure of the AFC West, because of the failure of the AFC South, um, and right now the failure of the AFC North, right? The fact that, you know, Cincinnati is and, and Baltimore are tied, but they, 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 they can't really seem to kind of get any traction. I mean, I absolutely believe that is possible, but um, I'll have a better um, ideal on it um, after the, the Buffalo game. Um, if they're able to go out there, take care of business, win the next two out of three, they put themselves in a tremendous position to be able to finish strong. Because like I said about this roster, what I love about it is it's not a lot of great players. It's a lot of good players. And we have a lot of good players, you know, instead of a couple of great players, you can, you can withstand injuries because this league has become about a battle of attrition. As we see a lot of guys that have great players, but the great players get hurt and now your backup isn't as great. So I think it's a testament that you can lose a Jermaine Johnson and then plug in a Vinnie Curry mm. and feel like it's certain things that he does better than Jermaine Johnson. All right. So, you know, so. Bart Scott right now, a slight lean. Yes, but still in yeah. a prove it mode. He wants to see what yeah. the jets do this. I want week. them still hungry. I don't want to give them the seal of approval. Until, until they uh, show me a little bit more. Yeah, I'm not trying to put the cart ahead of the horse. I'm just saying, looking at a big picture over time. You got to feel. You got to feel great. You yeah. know, the first half of the season. You know, the first quarter of the season. A little bit going into the second quarter, you put yourself in great position to be able to to be in the tournament. That's right. And because you have so much depth at certain positions, you can withstand injuries that other teams can't. There's no doubt about that. So, uh, but the upcoming game, of course, is at Denver, then the Jets return home and they face the New England Patriots before that date against the Buffalo Bills. Interesting part of the schedule because after the Broncos, you have three consecutive games inside the division. The Jets already have one division win, but you got New England, Buffalo, by at New England, and then we're going to know really, uh, we're going to know significantly where the Jets stand at that point. Absolutely. All right, brother. We'll see you soon.